I hear so much these days about dating apps, and I was curious about this. Just how popular are they? How fast are they growing? How fast is revenue growing for the companies that own them? In one word, lots. Stats from Business of Apps shows the number of users worldwide is now approximately 324 million. That's in 2021, bringing in revenue of about $5.6 billion, approximately, according to Business of Apps. And that is expected to double by 2026. So in a nutshell, more and more people are using them and the companies that run them are making more and more money, it would appear. Well, my next guest has spent years looking into dating apps and their impact, and I'll tell you, she doesn't really like what she sees, to put it mildly. Joining me now from New York is Nancy Nancy Jo Sales. She's the author of Nothing Personal, My Secret Life in the Dating App Inferno, a New York Times bestselling author and a writer at the popular magazine, Vanity Fair. Welcome to the show, Nancy Jo. Thank you. Hi. This is such a huge topic. I mean, we could talk about this for ages, but I, I guess just for listeners who may not be entirely familiar with just how much has changed uh, due to mobile dating apps in the last while, I heard you refer to it as the biggest change in, in 10 to 15,000 years. Why is that? I was told that by an evolutionary biologist who actually uh, works at the Kinsey Institute. Um, you know, this is a big research uh, think tank, and uh, he's a research scientist at one of the biggest uh, research institutes for dating and mating, as they call it in America, and I think the world. And his name is Justin Garcia. And when Tinder first dropped in like 2013, 2014, I did an interview with him, sort of assessing how users were experiencing dating apps. Dating apps were being rolled out as um, this wonderful thing, and you know, the the sort of uh, wonder boys of Silicon Valley are revolutionizing, disrupting dating. And isn't it so great? But what I was hearing from mostly women, but men too, some uh, was, you know, as I started to approach it as a journalist from the user's perspective was that there were a lot of downsides that were not being discussed. And it seemed to me that there were some, major shifts going on and how people related to each other in the world of dating. And so I thought, hmm, I wonder what somebody at Kinsey thinks of this. So I got in touch with this guy, Justin Garcia. He's an expert evolutionary biologist, like I said, on dating. He said, yeah, this is, we haven't seen anything like this in terms of a shift in how people, what they call mate in since the agricultural revolution, some 10 to 15,000 years ago, this is what he said. What happened back then, 10 to 15,000 years ago, was people became uh, less nomadic, more settling down and um, doing agriculture, the agricultural revolution. So in that big change, they started doing what people started doing, what's called um, pair bonding and settling down and raising children instead of as a sort of still as a collective, but more in um, pairs, what we now know as like a couple, you know, and um, that was sort of, well, Silicon Valley likes to call it disrupted by um, dating apps, which give people um, endless options, or at least the perception that they have endless options. You're no longer in your small community. You're no longer in your small town. You're no longer in your, you know, um, village of even in even in big cities like New York, there are different villages. I was just watching The Gilded Age on HBO, and and somebody, one of the characters on this said, "New York is a city of villages," and it's still really true to a certain extent. Or your village might be your industry. You know, people used to meet 
meet people at work. This suddenly was a way. Now, online dating had existed before, but dating apps made it um, quicker, faster, mobile. This is a way for people to have instant access to a seemingly endless array of options. And what this did was change the way that people approached um, their potential dating partners. Now, this is a controversial aspect of the research that I've done and that other, you know, scientists have remarked upon, but it's, it certainly seems to have created, especially a change in how straight men view dating. Because oftentimes you hear, and this exists for not just for dating apps, but you know, other things too, that it is an extension of real life. Uh, But you've argued that it really isn't. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, you could get into something very philosophical, like what is real and what is not real? And are we in a simulation and all that kind of thing? But if you just, if you want to say like, is it like life was before? No, it's absolutely not like life was before. Very quickly, um, within a nanosecond in terms of um, our evolution. And, you know, there was this very dramatic change in how people what people, ha- what access people had to each other and how quickly and also anonymously, because in the past um, dating, even though, yes, there were anonymous hookups and there were one night stands and there was um, that, you know, seeing a stranger across a crowded room or in a bar or whatever that, that did happen. But mostly as, as long as dating, as we know it has existed, which is really in our modern conception, only like about a hundred and something years. And that's a whole other discussion, which I won't go into and bore you all your readers. Why, why that happened with women moving from rural places to cities and starting to live on their own. But um, it is uh, very different from then because even up until very recently, people generally uh, dated people with whom they had some other friends or family members in common or, or, or some sort of community through which they met this person, a connection, a network. And that's no longer the case with dating apps. We've been talking about dating apps, um, the impact they've had, how much they've changed dating in general. Um, one thing that always pops up is, is I do know lots of people who use dating apps and some people have very good experiences on them. So what do you recommend for you know, for people using them in terms of just how to get the best out of them and avoid the worst. Even though you might know someone and I might know someone and I do know someone, I went to a wedding where the two people had met on Grindr, um, friends of mine. And, but that's not data, right? Just because we know someone and we see something in the vows section of the New York times that says these people met on Tinder or whatever, that's not data. And there is very little data about how many actual, um, you know, marriages or long-term relationships th- these apps are leading to. The only, the only real hard data that exists at this point is from Pew Research Center, which says 39% of people who use dating apps, and that's as of like a year or two ago, find marriages or, or long-term relationships. Now, it didn't, the data didn't break down, which it was, and that's, I think, an important thing to know. Um, my pro and 39%. I mean, if there was a COVID vaccine that was 30, 39% effective, would you sign up to get that? You know, I mean, like that's not a lot of chance, but it's the promise. It's the, it's the, um, 
it's the hope and it's the promise. And again, I think that's what they they rely on and they even exploit in us is our, our need for connection. I would argue that they're actually leading to making it harder for us to find true and lasting connections because, well, let me just finish this one point because this is the part that people don't really think about. So once you're on these apps um, you and you are almost instantly addicted because that's how they're designed, it's like having smoked cigarettes at one point in your life. I think I've said this before in another interview, but it's, it, it's a very um, powerful thing if for anyone who's ever been addicted to anything. At one point, I don't smoke anymore, but I, but I was a smoker once upon a time. And to this day, even though I haven't smoked in 20 years, if I am really super stressed or I, you know, I'm having a bad, really, really bad day, I sometimes want a cigarette. I don't smoke it, but I like have to fight the addiction, you know? Addiction is addiction. It gets, it gets into the pathways of your brains and your neurons. So you're in a marriage, you're in a relationship, things aren't going well. You have a fight. You're having, you're not having sex for a while. You have kids and it's become tense. These relationships have ups and downs, you know, like you have to fight through the bad times. But if you've once upon a time been addicted to dating apps, it's very easy then. And I've seen it. And I've heard it and I've done so many interviews about it. It's very easy then to fall back on that and say, well, my wife or my husband is not being very nice to me and not making me feel good about things or about my work or my body or whatever. I'm just going to go on a dating app and get some of that, you know, that famous like supposed ego boost, which is also not always really true. It's like very short term. I'm going to get that ego boost by swiping. And then the next thing you know, you're talking to someone and is that cheating? Is that emotional cheating? And then the next thing, you know, I just talked to a woman the other day for a long time who uh, found out in a 30 year marriage that her husband had been cheating on her on dating apps. It's very easy. Now you could be sitting lying in bed next to your spouse and they could be on their phone saying they're doing, or their computer saying they're doing work and they're talking to someone else. I mean, I'm not saying everyone's doing that. I'm just saying that, it has opened up a Pandora's box of that kind of thing. And, and if you're, if what you're asking me is like, how do you use them in a good way? I mean, that's not what I do though. I'm not like, I'm not, I appreciate your question and get it, but that's not what I do. I'm not here to give like dating tips and dating advice. I'm here. I'm a journalist who investigates, a I think dangerous um, corporate corporate, a dangerous industry that is unregulated that needs to be regulated and that has underreported except by me and a few other people um, abuses and harms for users ranging from, you know, lower anxiety, depression, all the things that all social media causes us lowered self-esteem um, all the way up to really, really serious um, things like, sexual assault and even murder there have been there was a grinder serial killer in the uk so i mean and there there have been murders of 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 several different women that we know of watch my film swiped hooking up in the digital age and you'll you'll hear more about that and if you if you want to check it out nancy joe sales author of nothing personal my secret life in the dating app inferno i guess probably what i meant is what should people be aware of was probably a better way of putting it i think okay. you, you i think you touched on that perfectly so you you essentially answered my question by making it a better question so i appreciate that no your question uh, awesome uh, 
the, the one of the things that I know you found, and, and we don't have a whole lot of time left. I was going to touch on two things. One was not fun for young women. I think you've already you've you've talked spoken to a lot of women, young women who don't necessarily enjoy the experience of these dating apps. Period. But also, I was curious about COVID and how that's changed, and whether you think we may see something better come out of it. So I'll let you decide which of those two might be more interesting to tackle. Um. Well, COVID. I mean. I don't know if you you know this book by Naomi Klein called Shock Doctrine. And Shock Doctrine is about when there is a disaster in a country, how the government, especially if it's a repressive government, uses or, or and also corporations use said disaster to exploit citizens because citizens are are you know in peril and need help. COVID was a shock doctrine for many industries, but especially very notably the dating uh, online dating industry, because suddenly there was no other way to date. People were, you know, people have been up until now, even, I mean, there was a little lull last summer when vaccines first came out before Omicron had hit where people were thinking like, okay, now we can start, you know, really young people, especially were like, yay, now we can date again. But um, I think with people, locked in their homes in quarantine, being wary of, you know, catching something from someone. There's been this captive audience for dating apps. And I, I do think from all reports, um, not a whole lot has changed. I do think in some instances, people are getting to be more serious about their life in general. You know, there's the, the great resignation where and people in this country, as they're calling it, the great resignation are saying, you know, life's too short. I don't like my job. I'm going to leave my job. And I think there's something similar in some sectors going on in dating where people are, people are saying, I, I, I don't like just bouncing around from person to person anymore. And I don't like these, you know, pointless conversations that go nowhere. I'm going to try and find something real in my life. I do think that's going on for some people, but I also think that there is also this just overall malaise that has happened where people just, it's really not, it's really not, uh, it's really not possible to just know somebody over a screen. I mean, you can't know somebody over a screen the same way that you can in person. You, you just absolutely can't. You, do, you don't, and especially over text, you don't pick up on the same cues, you know, again, not to go back on evolution, but, I've, I've learned through my reading and my interviewing people, uh, scientists, that we've evolved to really rely so much on physical cues that just don't even exist on, you know, messaging on uh, beyond even language. So don't really exist in texting, which is this kind of like clunky, awkward, curtailed sort of communication and certainly don't ex- exist in, in like messaging. So I think it's been really, really hard. For people, I feel I feel for people who are in the dating pool right now and who are trying to find a true connection. I really feel for people. I don't think this technology is making it easier. All of the uh, cheerleading, you know, articles and stuff that you read aside. Nancy Joe Sales, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Thanks for having me.